0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast, TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody here at Trinity this morning. How are you feeling today? Where else can you go to have deep, passionate worship and then have a T-Rex give you the announcements right afterwards, right? Yeah. Tell me God's not on the move, right? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's good to see everybody. Uh, My name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, It's an exciting time. It's an exciting season. Don't sit on the shore and let the season pass you by. Get in the waters. Get involved. Be a part of what God is doing. He's doing amazing things. He wants to do even more amazing things through you, through me. Church is a people, not a place. You're the church. I'm the church. Together we lock arms and we push back the darkness. That's what our function is as a church, beloved. We're not a country club. We don't hunker down and hide. We stand tall and we shine our light. That's it. You just shine. What does a candle have to do to shine? Be a candle. So do me a favor. Be a candle, right? Uh, We've been talking about faith. We started last week our new series called Crazy Faith. And we continue uh, this week. Um, I'd like to start us off in the beautiful island of St. Lucia. How many of you have ever been to St. Lucia? I had an opportunity a few years ago to St. Lucia to uh, participate in my brother's, uh, my sister-in-law's wedding. It was beautiful. Uh, if you ever get married outside the country, you have to spend like three days in that place before you can get married. So we were doing some activities, so we decided we wanted to go ziplining on the island of St. Lucia. Um, how many of you have ever been ziplining before? Now, zip lining in the United States of America is is a little dicey, can be a little dangerous. Go to another country where the laws of safety aren't as strict as ours, and it turns into an adventure where, you know what, Deb, you could almost die. You could almost die. True story. So we get out there, we're doing our little excursion, and they're putting our harnesses on it. It's already freaking me out knowing that basically Velcro and fabric is what's keeping me from certain death falling from one of these, these steel cables. So we get on there, and there's a group of about 20 of us, and they pull all of our harnesses on. They go by. They check everything very carefully, and I'm feeling pretty good about this. The guys, they all seem to know what they're doing. They had about four or five people that were checking things out. We get ready, and we start to head to the first tree. There's about maybe 15 zip line things we do, but you got to climb up to this stair thing around this tree. We're going to go on our first little jaunt. So as we get up to this tree, the worst thing possible happens to me. I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm all harnessed up. I look at the guy and I said, I, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, well, where do, what do I do? Where do I go? He's like, you got to go all the way back to the, to the start place and go go. There's bathrooms there. We don't have bathrooms here. It's a tree. I'm like, I understand that. So I go down, all the thing. I go to the bathroom. I go into the place. I find my stuff. I take off all my harness. There's nobody there. I do the best that I can. I do what I have to do. I come out and I have my harness in my hand. And I looking around. The only person I could find was like a fourteen year old kid there. And I said, "Hey, listen, I need help putting this thing back on. Is there somebody you can direct me to?" He goes, "No, I can take care of that for you." I said, uh, "Okay." So again, we had a big group put this up. We put the harness on. It took us fifteen minutes to put it on to start. He throws my harness on in like thirty-seven seconds. Tug here, tug here. You're good. I looked at it, I looked at him, and said, "Are you sure I'm good?" He says, "Yeah." It's a harness It's going to keep me from death. So I, I walk up there with all the faith I can have in a 14-year-old kid I've never met. I get back in the line, and I'll be honest with you. Me and Jesus were having a pretty intense discussion. Now I was praying stuff like, Lord, I, I don't want to go out like this in St. Lucia where things could eat me. I don't want to go out like this. And I'm praying as I'm thinking about getting ready to put this, this, this zip line on the thing. And, and I'm praying, Lord, help me, help me, help me, Lord. And the only scripture that's popping in my head is do not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm like, I need something else. There's got to be something else in the memory bank. And and as we went off there, I got to be honest with you, everybody's smiling, except Robin. Robin didn't enjoy it at all. They're smiling. And I hooked up and I just went all the way down and I made it and I'm still here. Have you ever had a lack of faith in people? Have you ever made this, under? have you come to this understanding? Do you know that every once in a while people will let you down? Is there anybody in this room that's ever been let down by a person? Some of you are like, today, yes. Yesterday, 14 times, right? (laughs) Let's just be real. Sometimes people let us down. Hopefully the letdown doesn't cause certain death, but it could happen, right? I think sometimes we take our understanding of how people let us down and sometimes we transfer that onto God. Sometimes we treat God as if he's a person. He's not a person. He's the God of the universe. And we sang about today his faithfulness. God is always faithful to us, even though sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we transfer our fear of people let us down unto God. Even though we know that God can be trusted, even though we know that God is faithful, sometimes we struggle. Have you ever struggled sometimes to trust God's plan? Maybe you didn't see it the way he sees it. Maybe you're like, God, if I was in charge, we should be going this way. And you clearly have be going this way. I don't understand it. Trust is a hard thing. Is God faithful? Can we trust him with our steps of faith? We can. This is what 2 Timothy 2.13 says. But even if we are or faithless, he will still be faithful to us. Let me say that again. But even if we are faithless, he will still be full of faith. For he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. He never wavers. Never he does. So, what does this mean for us? This means this you and I can trust God even when things look a bit crazy, even when the plan doesn't make sense, even when he asks us to take steps that just don't make sense. God's always stretching our faith, he's always moving us. So, last week as we started our new series, Crazy faith. We looked at the story of, of Moses and the children of Israel and how God parted the sea, the Red Sea, so that the, you know the, the nation of Israel could be delivered from the Pharaoh. We looked at how God told Moses to take the staff in his hand, the shepherd's staff, to lift it over the waters, to take that step, and God parted the sea, the Red Sea, right before their very eyes. They crossed over on the dry land, and they crossed into a new chapter for the nation of Israel. Now today we look at another way that God meets us in faith that might seem a bit crazy to the people around us. Today we look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. How many of you have ever heard this story before? Some of you haven't. It's a good story. Let me give you some background. Around 600 B.C., the Babylonians besieged Judah and took control of the nation. Now it was a custom of the Babylonians to take the best and the brightest of the countries that they conquered to bring them back to their, to their country, to Babylon, and to assimilate them into the culture. They thought if we could take the best of all the cultures around us, our kingdom will never die. And then they also thought this, if they could water down the individuality of the conquered people that they would have this one kind of ginormous nation of calling it like these, this melting pot of people. So among the captured of Judah were four remarkable young men. Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you remember Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den. That's the same Daniel. Now, what's amazing in this story is this. Even as young men, these four men stayed, their hearts were stayed on God, even though they were in a culture that was contrary to everything that they believed, everything that they were taught. So now, we have these young men. King Nebuchadnezzar, who's in charge of Babylon, he's leading all of Babylon, was a proud and arrogant king basically looked at himself like a God. There's a, a, (laughs) don't hit your phone now. (laughs) Um, Abraham Lincoln said something one time. He said this, and I think it's a very good quote for all of us that ascribe to be something. Does anybody here ascribe to be something? He said this, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had power. He had the power in his words to bring life. He had the power in his words to bring death. But for that king, that earthly power wasn't enough. So he decided one day he was going to build a statue in his own likeness. Now this statue was 60 cubits tall. How many of you know what a cubit is? Didn't think so. This isn't the metric system. This is older than that. 60 cubits is about 90 feet tall. Imagine a statue built in your likeness that was 90 foot tall. Now, if I'm having a statue commissioned, I'm going to make sure that they take a little off of here, right? Let's just chip a little bit off of it. But it doesn't look like you. Yes, it does. Oh, he could kill me. That looks just like you, King, right? little off of here. 90 foot tall, that's nine basketball hoops. Think of looking at a building, a nine-story building. That's how tall that thing was. And the drill was simple. When you hear the music... When you hear the decree, when they come out and do their stuff, all you have to do is come out and worship the 90-foot statue which represented the king. Now, all of this seemed pretty clear and easy, except for one thing. The Jews were forbidden to bow down to any other god but the one god. So when the music played and all the stuff happened, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided that they couldn't kneel, they couldn't bow. Now, there were consequences any time that you took a stand against the king. If you got your Bibles, open to Daniel chapter 3, verses 8. If you have our, uh, our app, you get all my notes. If you have the U version of the Bible, if you look for live events, look for TCC, Trinity Community Church, you get all my notes. It's always good to follow along with the notes, so if you miss something, you can go back and kind of digest things with your own eyeballs. <clears throat> Daniel 3, starting at verse 8, said, At this time, some of the astrologers came forward to denounce the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. Verse 11, and whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. Here's where they start to set up the Jews. But there are some Jews among you who have, have you, that you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp and the pipe and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Here we have the moment. Can you hear the music? How many of you remember Clint Eastwood? The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? It's the showdown in the West. It's high noon, baby. So these young men have to make a decision. Do they follow the precepts of the king or do they follow the precepts of their God? Do they stick to their guns and do they stay consistent with their faith? Beloved, regardless of the situation, regardless of your environment, every day you and I have opportunities to make a decision to live for Christ. Now sometimes... Those decisions cause us to raise up in defiance. Sometimes those decisions to follow God cause us to love extravagantly and to forgive without limits. Right? And either way, we make decisions to follow God. That's where we are. That's where these guys were. All of us have these opportunities. Know this, beloved. Living for Christ, living out your faith will cost you something. If your faith... Costs you nothing, it's worthless. Kabish? It's going to cost you something. Your time, your talent, your treasure, something. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Look at verse 18. But... There's always a but. Even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. You know what they did? They put all their chips in the center of the table. Okay. We cannot do what you ask. The God that we serve is strong enough, powerful enough to to deliver us in any situation, and we believe he can do that. But if he decides not to, we're still not going to bow knee to you. That's a big, big, big deal. What bold faith we see in the lives of these three young men! How are they able to engage the king like this and trust God so completely in a rough situation? By the way, here's a little side note. Did you know that through that entire thing, they were able to keep us you know, to, to make a stand and still show respect? to the leader of their region. At no point were they like, listen, you scuzzball. Do you see scuzzball? Scuzzball is not in the original Hebrew. It's not. (laughs) Because the goal is not to belittle the one in front of you. The goal is to stand firm in your faith. Don't lose sight of the goal. We promote the kingdom. We stand for light. We stand for good. We never, ever, ever, ever pick up the tactics of the enemy, yeah. ever, ever. Are you with me, beloved? It's easy to pick up spears and to throw spears back. Mm-hmm. We never throw a spear, ever, ever. Now, you got to learn how to dodge those spears, like the Matrix, right? <laughs> I think I hurt myself. <laughs> oh, gosh. Medic, do we have a first aid kit? Get the Gay, right? <laughs> so how were these young men able to do this? The first thing that they encountered and they understood, which is something that all of us need to if we want to have a successful faith, is they understood perspective. God gave them the gift of perspective. It's important when it comes to living out your faith that you and I have the proper perspective. So what was their perspective? Their perspective was very simple. First, the God that they served could save them. He had enough power. He wasn't weak. He could do anything he wanted. Now, how did they come to the understanding that the God that they served could could save them? Well, how did they know that? Well, they, they heard all the stories. They heard the stories about like what we talked about last week about the God that they'd served had parted the Red Sea. They heard the stories of how God had delivered the children of Israel in the desert. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. They heard the stories how as soon as they crossed Canaan, they were able to take out fortified cities with a song. Right? Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. down. That's low. T- down, right? With a song. They knew the story of how a young boy with a stone took out a Philistine champion. They knew all the old stories. In fact, even beyond knowing the old stories, as they grew, they started to compile stories of their own. These four young men from Judah to Babylon, they had already been put through their tests when it came to food. God had already had his hand on them, and they rose like rocket ships in the kingdom. Why? Because they were different. They understood intimately God's faithfulness. Their experiences with God and his faithfulness, again, helped to shape their future. It gave them perspective. Do you have stories of God's faithfulness? You know what the enemy does when he wants to derail you? Some of you think he attacks you with like, he unloads hell. Okay, so I'm sending 38 demons to him. He doesn't have to do that. You know how he messes with your faith? He helps you to forget. If you can forget God's faithfulness in the past, everything's like a new thing. My, my mother-in-law right now, she is walking through Alzheimer's. And it's a terrible, terrible disease. And, you know, Robin's been down there a few times. And the, the struggle that she says is, is, you just never know what she's going to Remember? Some day she remembers you, some day she just doesn't. The enemy loves to help us to forget. This is why, beloved, we have to continue to stir our faith up. This is why we share our our, our lives and our faith, our stories with others. This is why it's one of our big three, sharing. Why? It helps us to remember and it helps to build up other people's faith. We share the stories of God's faithfulness. Do you have a, a God's faithfulness story? Don't keep it silent. Share it. My kids are sick of our stories because they've heard them over and over. And, over, and I, hope they, I hope they get more sick. I want them to remember the stories of God's faithfulness. Your kids should know how you came to Christ. Your kids should know your biggest struggles. You can't have an epic victory without having an epic struggle. Right? So you share your stories. All of us have stories of God's faithfulness. I remember we were in Denver and... Uh, Our food bank was blown and going. Again, you've heard the stats. I've talked about that. You know, fed 60,000 people our last year there. Full service food bank. We had freezers. We had refrigerators. It was just nuts what God would do there. Absolutely crazy. I get a call uh, on a Tuesday. We get our load in on Tuesday, and our director says, hey, pastor, we got an issue. I said, what's the issue? He says, one of our main compressors is down for one of our units. Now, we we ran a pretty lean, lean thing. We were a metro church. I said, okay, so we'll call Nate. He's our refrigeration guy. See how much a unit costs. He calls Nate. Nate says that unit's going to cost you about two grand. I don't know about you, we didn't have two grand just laying around. So I dropped to my knees. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but we need to get this in because we got dairy coming. We got all this stuff. We're going to lose all this stuff for all these people if you don't show up. So we start to pray. I called the church guys, I said, Lies, let's, let's pull all the stuff that we have, let's see what we can do to take care of these things. Most of the people that we fed, none of them, most, hardly any of them came to church. That's not why we fed and we take care of people. We take care of the poor because Jesus says take care of the poor. That's it. So the weirdest thing happens, the next day I come into my office, the phone rings, and it's the principal of the high school. He says, TJ, I need to see you. Do you got some time? I said, sure I do. I got time, John. So I head down there. We had a great relationship with the school, and I go into his office. He says, "Hey," he goes, uh, "I heard that you guys are having some refrigeration problems at the food bank." I said, "Yeah." So we're working it out. We're going to come up with a strategy. Uh, I said, "We got to come up with about two grand to uh, to fix these things." He goes, "That's why you're here." He says, "I'd like to give you something from the school," and he slides a check over to me, and the check the checks four hundred and fifty dollars. I said, "John," I said, "This is," I said, um, "You're a school." And we're a church. I said, Are you able to do this? He goes, I'm the principal. I can do it. I can do anything I want. <laughs> he goes, Don't worry. He says, I have a feeling that uh your God, he wasn't a believer, he says, I have a feeling your God's gonna take care of this. I said, Okay, so I took the check and I thought, well, we're a little bit closer than where we need to be. I go back to my office and I'm sitting there for about 10 minutes. All of a sudden, somebody knocks on our door, I go down there, it's a car I don't recognize. Somebody pops in and says, uh, Pastor Harris there, that's me. He go, here, I have this for you. Guy hands me a check. $250. Hmm. What's this for? I heard you guys need help. I heard you have a compressor out. Hmm. Okay. All throughout the rest of the day, people just started showing up, handing us checks until we had two thousand dollars to pay for the compressor. Not one dime came out of the church coffers. Not, not one dime came from a church person. Not one. Got the compressors fixed. We we're up and running, doing God's work. The next day, God is faithful. Even if you don't understand it, God always has a plan. We just have to trust. Beloved, have the right perspective. Don't forget that God is faithful. These stories, again, give us a perspective of God's faithful and he can deliver us. But there's also another perspective that these young men understood that sometimes we forget. You and I are built for eternity. You know what that means? God may choose to save us and to rescue us now, here, but he may also choose to say, son, daughter, it's time to come home. Our life is larger than the time we spend here. You are made for shores that go beyond this earthly timeline you are. Sometimes, as believers, we forget that our life is like a vapor. It's fleeting. Everything we say, everything we do as believers, we need to do through the lens of eternity. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.1. He says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. These young men had an eternal perspective. Yes, God can save us. If he doesn't, we'll be with God. Either way, we win. And there's nothing. There's nobody on this planet. Nobody can rob you of that. Either way. Does that make sense? Perspective. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was, so, command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied up, fell into the blazing furnace. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. You're not going to say anything that the king doesn't say, right? Whatever you think your honor, right? He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the serataphs, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. This takes us to the next thought when it comes to how you and I can navigate and encounter this crazy type of faith that these young men encountered again they found themselves in a terrible predicament god gave them an eternal perspective to see them through they took a step of faith because of that perspective and then god protected them he brings protection for us how amazing is this Now, we know the fire was real. How do we know the fire was real? The dudes throwing them into the fire died. How would you like that assignment? Uh, Bill, Ted, Fred, and Meshuganah. Come on over here. Here we go. Throw them in. They're all dead. We know the fire was real, right? So what did we just witness? God standing in the fire with them. Let me ask you a question. If God decides to plant himself right next to you, Is there anything in this world that you can't face? If he says, you know what? Um, We got this together. Is there anything you can't face? I mean, if you're playing a pickup game of basketball and God says, I'm on that guy's team, you're probably going to win, right? You're probably, but can he he hoop? Yeah, I think he can hoop. Even in his sandals, his JC Waterwalkers, he can still do it, Right? If God is with you, you can do anything. Beloved, God is with you. Emmanuel, you know what that means? God with us. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Even when you are knuckleheaded. Has anybody in here ever been a knucklehead? Even when you're a knucklehead, he stands next to you. He walks with you and he waits for the opportunity for you to invite him to help you. He stands right there. He's a friend that's closer to you than a brother. He's closer than the air that you bring into your lungs. He's with you. When we come to that understanding, that's when our faith shifts. And we move into just something different. Um, I remember years ago, uh, my mother, um, she, she was a cancer survivor. Um, she walked the road of cancer. This is her and I. Getting our boogie down in a, uh, a Greek uh, wedding, I believe. Um, and I could tell you this, through her, her battle with cancer, it was about eight years, she had breast cancer. And uh, it's funny, the cancer didn't kill her. She told me she was determined cancer will not kill me, and it didn't kill her. But she had some dark nights. Actually, I think we probably had more dark nights than she did. And um, I remember I'd sit down with my mom and say, Mom, you got all these things going on. My mom was always a giver. My mom was always doing stuff. Even with cancer, she would do whatever she could. She'd pray with people. She'd cry with people. She was just like that person. I say, Mom, how are you doing all this? How's your, how are you feeling? You, you need to take a break. She's like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I say, Mom, how could you be fine? You're facing death. You're facing cancer. She goes, Honey. She goes, It's just cancer. You, know, you should ask cancer the question, How are you doing? Because you've got to face me and my God. Now, I told you the story. I, we were at church one day. I was in there, and, and um, they had just announced at the church that she went to that the pastor's wife had just got diagnosed with cancer. So, as soon as service was over, they are praying for people. She goes, You've got to wheel me up there. She was in a wheelchair. Said, Okay, I'll wheel you up there. Thought Mama needed prayer. Get her up there, and, and she goes, Hey, hey. She goes, Hey, Renee, come on over here. I need, I need you. I need you. I thought, oh, This is nice. Mom wants the pastor's wife to pray for her. And she, Renee comes over, and she goes, Renee, she goes, Come here. She goes, I have to pray for you. And she goes, oh, no, no, Rosie, I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to help you. She goes, I'm fine. I need to pray for you. So she lays hands on her. She comes out of her wheelchair, prays for this lady. Just got word that she had cancer, and she's crying, and my mom's crying, and it's a powerful prayer. And she sits down, and, and I wheel her back, and she gets done. I go, Mom, is said, that, that was incredible. I said, that was nuts. I said, what, what, what told you that you needed to go and you needed to pray with this lady? She goes, honey, who better to understand the fears of cancer than somebody that's walking that road? She goes, I'm making it down the road. She'll make it with me. Renee now is cancer-free. God touched her. Cancer-free. Again. What can't you face if God is with you? These four men, these three men in the fire furnace and God, they were okay because God was with them. He protected them through all that stuff. Psalm 46.1 says this. God is our shelter and our strength. When troubles seem near, God is nearer and he's ready to help. So why run and hide? God is near, and he's ready to help, so why run and hide? I love that. He's ready. He's near. He's ready to help. Don't hide. So these guys didn't hide. They walked the road that was in front of them, and God chose to protect them in a radical way. He did. Look at verse 28. Let's put a bow on this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except the God of their own. Now, this is interesting. Let's just pause here real quick. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at two different leaders of different nations that both had run-ins with Almighty God, right? And both of them had two different takeaways from that. You know, how long did it take the Pharaoh to finally yield enough to have the, the, the children of Israel leave? You remember the plagues? You remember the last plague that was, that was, the, that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back? Even losing his son. And then you have King Nebuchadnezzar that's like, wait a second, I think I heard a story about this, what he did to that you know, Pharaoh. He used to come around. He ain't coming around no more, he's gone. It's funny to me sometimes how different people react to displays of God's faithfulness and his goodness. And then if you read the rest, if you, I read the book of Daniel. It's an amazing book. And within the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, great stories. I love the story of Nebuchadnezzar. He goes from everything to nothing. And God kind of resets him. And he uses him. It's an interesting story. Look at verse 29. He says, therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses uh, be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Boy, this king is like hero to zero, isn't he? You're the greatest. Take all their stuff. Get rid of it. You kill them all, right? Verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So through that faith, the faith that God gives Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it starts off where God gives them the right perspective. They have an eternal perspective. They understand that the God that they serve can do anything. But if he chooses to do something else, he's sovereign. We're still going to be okay because he's in control because God is good. Right? Second, they experience God protection. He doesn't remove the problem. He doesn't remove the problem. He doesn't remove the problem. Some of you have been praying for God to remove the problem. And in your instance, God wants to walk with you through the problem. He wants to be in the furnace with you. But TJ, Nancy is the problem. Maybe, he doesn't, maybe God doesn't want to remove Nancy. Maybe God wants you to stand next to Nancy because God has a big plan for Nancy's life too. The last I've heard, she's also fearfully and wonderfully made. He walks with us through the problems and he keeps them safe. Now, if God stopped the story here, it would still be a really cool story. But he doesn't stop there. You see, with these steps of faith, crazy faith, and obedience, always comes promotion. He always takes you from here, and he brings you to where you're supposed to be. If you take the right steps, if you're obedient and you do what God asks you to do, promotion is coming. These young men move from facing annihilation and death to authority, even more authority, to proclaim God's heart in the kingdom of Babylon. Why? Because through this experience, them following the little steps, they can be trusted with more. God promotes them. Why? Because they can be trusted with more because of all the little steps that they took. Beloved, don't despise the small beginnings. Have you ever thought about this? You know all those little things that God asks you to do? Have you ever thought that perhaps they may be part of a test? Have you ever met anybody who wanted to do the big stuff and they didn't want to do the small stuff? Have you ever thought that maybe, before you rule the kingdom, God wants to see if you could push a broom? Better to be a, a housekeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else, right? Have you ever thought that way? Because let's just be real, all of us, let's just be real, want more of something. Even if you don't like people, you want more of to be left alone. Some of you want more influence. Some of you want more money. Some of you want more power. Some of you want more authority. Some of you even want to do greater things, more of greater things in the kingdom. What is the doorway in the kingdom For you and I be entrusted with more. The doorway is taking a look with what you've done with what God's given you. Are you faithful in the things that God has put in your hands? Are you faithful with your time? Is God something that you do? Or is God the center of all that you do? From getting up in the morning and spending time with God. To coming to church. To growing in your faith taking time to promote the kingdom. Are you faithful in the time that he's given you? I've learned this. Trust me. My schedule is bananas. But God takes my time and my schedule and he multiplies my efforts. Why? Because I I lay my time at his feet. I trust him with my time. What have you done with the talents he's given you? Do you hold them close? Do 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 you ration them out as if they're yours? Who gave you those talents? You know, I, 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 who gave them to you? I mean, I'll be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Cassandra real quick. Have you ever heard Cassandra? Like, she like, you got a million things going on, Cassandra. You know, she does lawyer stuff, whatever. You know, every time I think of you, I hear like lawyer music in the background. Dun, 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 dun. But of all the greatest things that you do, Cassandra, this is my personal Greek opinion, she bakes tasty things. And she doesn't like, she never mails it in. You get something from her, it's the greatest thing. She's like, I just threw this together. No, you did not. I throw things together. And they're like Oreos on a plate. That's all that they are. <laughs> talents. You lay those talents. These, these aren't mine. These are God's. What do you do with the things that God put within your heart? There are more musicians in this house that sit. Get up off of your tukus and play and sing. Artists, painters, Some of you have hospitality gifts. Get out and be be hospitable. Some of you love kids, but you're a little nervous as kids, you're afraid. Get you a tetanus shot and go get into the kids' ministry. (laughs) Because we do have a few biters. I'll just be real with you. (laughs) What talents do you have? Lay them before God. Some of you are talented with money. Take those talents and lay them before God. God, how can I leverage the kingdom with what you've given me? Some of you are, are are talented in all these technology, all these other things. Whatever God's put in your hands, what are you doing with the little that He's given you? If you invest those things well, God will give you more because you can be trusted with more. And your treasure, what do you do with your treasure, guys? Tithing is a test. It's a test. Pass the test. Some of you guys want more. And God's like, I'm asking you for this that's blessed. God does not need your money. He owns the cattle in a thousand hills. Who put the gold in the mountains, uh, Jesus? It's about you. Are you willing to walk a life of blessing? Are you willing to be tested? God said, Test me in this. I already laid it out for you. What do you do with the little that you have? If you do the right things with the little you have, you will be promoted. Now, we don't do things to be promoted. We do things like that, and then God looks at us and he says, I can trust them with my heart. I can trust them with my power. I can trust them with my presence. What can God trust you with? That's the the heart of this. When it comes to the kingdom, to living out your purpose, what can God trust you with? Know this. If God wants you to serve in a certain way, if God wants you to do something, God will put you exactly where he wants you. You don't have to position yourself. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to push open any doors. You simply need to be obedient with what God's given you and trust that he'll promote when the time is right. Trust when the time's right. He'll take care of all this. This is what Luke 16.10 says. The one who faithfully manages the little that he's been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with, little, with the little that they've been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. So what are you doing with what God's given you? What are you doing with what God has asked you to do? You're faithful in those things, God can trust you with more. Now here's the reality. You may be in the furnace right now. You may be there. Let me encourage you to not just hold on and pray to God that you get through it, but to lean into God and believe that in this furnace, God can still do amazing things. How does that happen? you got to allow God first to shift your perspective. You have to move from, oh me, why me, to God, what are you trying to do through me in this? God, show me your eternal path in this. Allow him to change your perspective. We do this. When we understand that God has all the strength that he needs to protect you or to call you home, and we do this by understanding, if you walk through this, God will promote you. He has something for you to do. The Bible tells us this. Before the world was was laid, before creation was spoken to existence, he knew us and he planned good things for us to do. It's time to step into those good things. Right? Bow your heads with me. So what is the Spirit asking of you today? Listen to the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you just like He speaks to me. What is He asking of you? Some of you are right now, right in the middle of your furnace, and you don't know what to do. First, ask Him to show you where He is in the middle of your furnace with you. He's there, beloved. I guarantee it. You're not abandoned. You're not alone. Ask him. Say, Lord, show me where you're at in the middle of this. And then ask the Spirit. Say, Spirit, reveal to me what you want me to do, the steps I need to take. Show me what to do with what you've put in my hands and listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.